Well, thank you so much for the recognition and the, and the gift from the church. And very much appreciated. It's been a great privilege to be your pastor these past five years, and uh, it's not been without its challenges. And the pandemic being the greatest, I think, that we've all had to deal with, but we've come through it together, and I'm excited about our future. I was thinking this week, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, John McLaren passed away this week suddenly. And John McLaren was in this church for a long, long time with his, and his, raised his boys in this church. And there's just, a, uh, just one example of many people who have a tremendous legacy here. And I was just thinking about the past of this church and uh, the things that we've seen happen here and the, the people that have come out of this church and gone on. Uh, uh, one of the most famous pastors in America today grew up in this church, Mark Dever. And we just have an incredible uh, legacy in our past here. And uh, I think that just should drive us to have a true desire to serve in the present that we might continue to have a great future. So, so thank you so much. And you know, as the pastor, I often receive a lot more attention than I deserve. So be sure to, when you see all the other staff, uh, we don't have recognition dates for them, but we should. And so be sure when you see them in the hall to, to say a kind word and encourage them as you have me. Well, we've been looking at Jesus's last night uh, on earth before the crucifixion. And last week, we looked at the passage where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying, and we saw what happened there as Jesus surrendered to the will of God. Today, we're looking at the next passage, which is the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. And in this passage, it really, it really centers on, on three people. There was Judas who betrayed him, Peter who drew his sword and tried to defend Jesus, and then, of course, Jesus who willingly went. Because, you see, Jesus, unlike Judas, Peter, and the others, Jesus understood the will of God. And he was pursuing it with all of his heart. And so today as we look at this passage and we see this focus in on these three people, there, there's so much that we can learn. Do you know that Jesus went willingly because he knew that God had a plan? That God had a plan for all of us to save us from our sin. Jesus understood this plan. And Jesus was pursuing it. So we think about the responses of the others. Many of the people today, they, they don't understand God's plan. Or they don't believe it. And so today, as we look at the lives of Judas, Peter, and Jesus, and what they thought, believed, said and did that night I hope that like Jesus you'll pursue God's plan for your life Matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 47 I want to ask you would you join me in standing as we read this together Matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 47 here's what the Bible says 
while he was still speaking, and that's talking about Jesus was still speaking, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. And then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hands and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand what happened that night and what it means for us today. May we learn to be your disciples in the families where you've placed us and the people that you've called us to live among. May we be your faithful witnesses that others may share in this faith. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if we think about these three people, the first that we encounter is, is, of course, Judas. And Judas did not believe God's plan. In fact, the Bible makes it clear to us Judas never believed. And so Judas betrays Jesus on this night. The Bible describes him as one of the twelve. Do you notice what it says in verse 47? While he was still speaking, Judas came up. And then there's this phrase there. It says, one of the twelve. The Bible doesn't describe him as one of the twelve because we don't know who he is. But it points out the irony that Judas, who had been chosen to be one of the twelve apostles, among all the crowds that came to hear Jesus, among all the people that came to be disciples of Jesus, Judas was chosen to be one of the 12. And yet he was the one who betrayed Jesus. You see, Judas was chosen to be one of the 12, but instead he chose to be one of the crowd. It says about Judas, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Can you imagine with me for a moment, what it would have been like to be chosen as a disciple. Think about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus went about all Galilee, and at times he would come down to Jerusalem. 
And everywhere Jesus went, great crowds came to hear him. And Jesus preached like no one had ever preached before. When people heard Jesus, they said, this man doesn't preach like the other rabbis. And Jesus worked miracle after miracle. He healed people miraculously. I don't mean that someone had a headache and Jesus prayed and three hours later the headache eased off. I mean a man who'd been paralyzed since birth. Jesus said, get up and take your mat and walk. And he just got up and walked. They went to Bethany where Lazarus had been dead and buried for three days. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And this man, Judas, He had a front row seat to all of this. When Jesus taught the parables and then later took his disciples aside to explain to them the meaning of the parables, Judas was sitting in that little inner group where thousands of people would have longed to have been and just overheard. Do you remember the, the woman who had the, the, the flow of blood? And the Bible says that she'd been to many doctors and nobody could help her. And she wanted to get to Jesus, but she couldn't. There was such a great crowd. And so she forced her way to the crowd and thought if she could just get up where she could just touch the hem of his garment. But, but Judas had so much more than an opportunity to merely touch the hem of Jesus' garment. He had sat there at Jesus' feet and listened to him preach. He had sat late at night and listened to Jesus pray. He had sat around the fire with just the 12 and listened to Jesus teach. All because Jesus chose him. Judas, one of the 12. Do you know Jesus has chosen you as well? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 or chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Jesus chose us that he might save us. He chose us that we might be his disciples and his people in this place. None of us chose that in this era of history we would be born. But yet Jesus chose us to be his ambassadors during this time. But Judas, unfortunately, was a deceitful person. In verse 48, it says, Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man sees him. Well, it was a custom in the first century to greet friends with a kiss. Still in different places around the world. Uh, Men come up and the kiss on each side of the cheek is just a custom. We do different things. Today, people come up and they say, how are you? And we say, I'm great. How are you? And you shake hands. There's a custom. Things that people do. And Judas, as was the custom for anybody to greet a friend, says, the one that I go up and and kiss, that's the one. So Judas, who would 
come pretending to be the friend of Jesus. St. Judas, who had sat around the fire at night and listened to Jesus explain the parables, pretending to be a disciple of Jesus. John 12, 4 through 6, the Bible gives us some insight into the life of Judas. It says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold? This is when a lady had brought expensive ointment. Why was it not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? On the surface, it seems like Judas has so much concern for good stewardship and benevolence for the poor. But John tells us that's not the case at all. Verse 6, he says, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas, who Jesus chose to be one of the disciples, had also been chosen to be the treasurer for the group. And all throughout that time, John tells us that he was a thief, that his people came and they gave money to support Jesus' ministry. Judas would help himself to what was in the bag. The amazing thing about this is not the corruption or deceit of Judas. We've all known people who are like this. The amazing thing about this is that Jesus all along knew who Judas really was. And so on this night, the Bible says in verse 50, Jesus said to him, friend, and, and by the way, that's, that's not a term of endearment. It was a term of distance. And he says, friend, do what you came to do. Judas may have came up with a holy kiss that would deceive the disciples, but it didn't deceive Jesus. He knew who Judas was and why he was there. And so he says, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Jesus did not learn in that moment who Judas was. Jesus had known all along. In fact, in the early part of the Gospel of John, Here's what it says. Jesus was teaching, and he says, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then this parenthetical phrase, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and given to us from John, who lived with Judas all those years. He says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe. And who it was who would betray him. And yet, listen, just a few verses down. Jesus answered them. Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. You see, no matter how many people we fool, we, we cannot fool God. On that night, Judas did not believe God's plan. There are many people today who do not believe. 
But some who do not believe pretend to be believers for whatever reason. Maybe for status, maybe for acceptance. They pretend to believe. Judas was like this. All his life, Judas, as a disciple, had sat and listened and watched, but he did not believe. Well, then there was Peter. Peter was radically different from Judas. Peter believed, but Peter couldn't understand God's plan. Notice what Peter does in verse 51. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus, that's Peter, we know because the other uh, disciples name him in their gospel. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Friends, Peter had the courage of a lion. Oftentimes, Peter is painted as a coward because later that night, he would deny even knowing Jesus. But I want you to think for a moment about what was taking place. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in a private place. He was there with 11 of the 12 disciples. And the Bible says that Judas came out, and when he came out, he came with a crowd. It doesn't number how many, but it says that there was a crowd. And this crowd was heavily armed with swords and clubs. Earlier, Jesus had told his disciples that from now on out, they would need swords. Luke tells us about it in Luke twenty-two thirty-eight. And so among the 12 disciples, here's, here's what happened, Luke 12, 38. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. So there are 11 men with Jesus. And as far as we know from this passage, Luke tells us about they had two swords. And Judas comes out with a crowd. That's what the Bible says. It says a crowd of heavily armed people with swords and clubs. When Peter drew his sword and swung, it was a suicide mission. There's no way that 11 men with two swords could fight off a crowd with swords and clubs. But Peter was determined to defend Jesus. Problem was, Jesus did not need Peter to defend him. You see, Peter just couldn't understand what God was doing that night. So verse 52, then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Now listen to what Jesus says. He says, do you not think that I can appeal to my father and he at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. And Jesus says, Peter, I, I'm not about to be arrested because I'm defenseless. I'm about to be arrested because I'm going to willingly surrender my life. And it's only after Peter realizes that Jesus is on a mission to lay down his life 
that Peter decides he's not ready to lay down his. But on this night, as they came to arrest Jesus, Peter sought to defend Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus was not a victim. He would voluntarily lay down his life. Peter tried to help him, but in helping, he only interfered. You see, Peter was trying to save Jesus. He didn't understand that Jesus was about to save him. Jesus does not need our help either to secure our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, listen to what the Bible says about this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And I want you to notice this phrase. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Would you listen to that just for a moment again? And this is not your own doing. If you're here today and you're saved, it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Jesus was about to make that gift possible. It's a free gift, but it's only free to us. Jesus paid for it with his life. Peter, Peter did not understand Jesus was fulfilling the scriptures. And so the Bible says in verse 54, Jesus said to him, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? What does it mean that Jesus fulfilled the scriptures? Think with me for a moment. Where did they come from? Jesus Father, Son, and Spirit, they gave us the Scriptures. When Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures, he was fulfilling his own plan. When Jesus fulfilled the predictions of the prophets, he was fulfilling his own predictions. When Jesus died according to what was foretold, he was the one who foretold it. So this is, this is his plan that he has followed. Peter, Peter can't grasp it. So Matthew 16, 21. Notice what the Bible says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. Je Jesus is explaining it to him, and he doesn't understand it. When Jesus tries to rebuke Jesus, it's, it's not because he doesn't love Jesus, and it's not because he doesn't believe in Jesus, and it's not because he doesn't want to follow Jesus. It's because he doesn't understand so he pulls Jesus aside and, and he rebukes him and he says, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, 
but on the things of man. That night, as Jesus was arrested, these three people, Judas, Peter, and Jesus, two of the three were not acting in accordance with God's plan. Judas, because he didn't believe. Peter, because he didn't understand. But Jesus fulfilled God's plan. Jesus willingly went with the crowd to lay down his life. So in verse 55, it says, At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. Jesus points out that they didn't need swords and clubs because he was not going to be captured. He was going to surrender. Not because he didn't have the power to resist but because he was following God's plan revealed in the scriptures centuries before to bring about our salvation in verse 56 it tells us that Jesus would die just as he foretold through the prophets it says but all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled then all the disciples left him and fled the Old Testament prophet Isaiah Isaiah 53 listen to what Isaiah prophesied about this event he said by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Isaiah prophesied, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. On that night, Jesus said, have you come out with swords and clubs like you're arresting a robber? Jesus, Jesus had done no violence. They didn't need a crowd to arrest Jesus. Jesus had no deceit in his mouth. As Judas came and with a deceitful kiss pretended to show respect for Jesus. Yet Jesus, in truth and integrity, said, do what you've come to do. On that night, Judas, he just didn't believe. He didn't believe in God's plan to be accomplished through Jesus. And Peter did not understand it. But Jesus surrendered his life. Maybe you're here today and you've heard God's plan for your life many times. How Jesus died in your place 
so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Perhaps you've heard multiple times proclaimed that if only you would believe and confess your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you could be saved. But you just don't believe. It sounds too simple. It sounds too easy. Judas would not receive the gift that Jesus was about to secure because he did not believe. Friend, when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that you could be saved. He died so that you could spend eternity in heaven and so that you could be forgiven. And the only way for you to receive that gift is for you to believe. Some people here perhaps believe in God, but they just don't understand the plan. With all sincerity, they're trying to help God. They're trying to do more good than their bad, hoping that their good deeds will outweigh their sin. They're trying to make some kind of sacrifice to cover up for their sin. Some are trying to explain away their sin by comparing themselves with other people and justifying themselves by showing that they are lesser sinners than others. None of this will work. God's plan was for Jesus to lay down his life in your place. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And on that next day, Jesus would pay that penalty for you. And the way that we receive this gift this free gift that the Bible says in the passage we read earlier is no doing of our own. The way we receive it is by faith, by believing and trusting in Jesus. Maybe you're like Peter. You've tried to follow the Lord with all your heart. You're sincere as you can be, but you've never understood that salvation is just a gift to be received. If that's you today, When we begin to sing, why don't you just speak to God? All you need to do is just tell him that you're done trying to save yourself and you're ready to let him save you. Forgiveness for all of us is simply one prayer away. Let's pray now. Father, thank you for your son who died in our place that we might be forgiven. Lord, I pray that you give us understanding and faith. Help us to proclaim to our neighbors, to our children, to our coworkers, this faith that when placed in Jesus, can bring us the gift of salvation. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we close in song today, I invite you to respond to the Lord. Let's stand as we sing. Mm-hmm.